What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Gaming Trend Reboot Podcast. My name is Mike Pierce. I'm joined by my co-host, editor, Joe DeClara. Joe, what's up, man? I'm doing well, Mike. It's swell. It's a beautiful day here in uh, New York City, Queens, New York, and uh, I am enjoying a cup of coffee. Are you enjoying a beverage right now, Mike? What, I Where am, yeah. I'm, I'm actually enjoying a Bavarian, or I don't know if it's Bavarian, but it's beer. It's from Germany. A I'm beer? Sure which region, Mike, yeah. it is only about 12 noon where I'm at, and you're drinking beer already. This is this is terrible. Why is this happening? Are you depressed? <laughs> is everything all right? 12 noon is a completely acceptable time to drink beer. What I'm what I'm doing is I'm going on a campaign to reclaim drinking alone. No. <laughs> sanctity of drinking alone. <laughs> No, that's fine. I'm a fan of drinking alone. I'm not going to lie. I, I am not a, an alcoholic and I, I believe that. But often I'm drinking alone, quote unquote, because I am drinking and playing like PUBG or something with friends. So technically we're all drinking, but we're at home. So I think you're, I'm okay you're with You're drinking it. alone, but virtually in company. How about that? That's generally the case. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the joke was you are obviously in the UK, and I know we've talked about that multiple times on the podcast. But I thought it was funny that I was drinking coffee and you were drinking beer, and in both it situations, is kind of weird. Yeah, it, it, it occurred to me this morning when I, or well, not this morning. Oh God, now I sound really bad. I started drinking beer this morning before you even woke up. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it like it occurred to me when I cracked the beer open actually. That uh, that I was going to be podcasting with you shortly afterwards, and that you would probably be drinking coffee, and I would be drinking a beer, <laughs> which is just it's just crazy. I mean, I totally get it. You know, we're what five hours apart now. I think. Yep, that's right. Um, but uh, it's still it's just really funny to be. Uh, I'm clearly getting further towards the end of my day, and you're kind of just beginning yours. And the beverages really sort of uh, depict that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's good. I think we got to get the live podcast eventually so we can enjoy the uh, paradox of me drinking coffee and you drinking beer. And we could do like a Twitch stream podcast yeah. or something. That, that'd that be great. That's a good idea. We should do that. That's actually a good idea. That's I like good. that. Yeah. Well, so we're going to head into the news now. And uh, the first news story is, is short but sad. Um, the, the lead designer from BioWare a man by the name of Corey Gasper. He was one of the lead designers on Anthem. He was the lead designer for Mass Effect 2, or no, excuse me, he was a level designer on Mass Effect 2 and Dragon Age Origins. Uh, he was a lead combat designer on Mass Effect 3. So he's he's a veteran of Bioware for sure, and uh, he just recently passed away. And we don't know why, uh, Bioware hasn't said anything, his family hasn't said anything, and they are 100% within their rights to keep that as quiet and contained as they want to. So we are not going to speculate as to why he passed away or um, anything. Just uh, just say it's a sad day and rest in peace, Corey. Yeah, it's sad. Corey had, uh, it's, as you just listed off, had his hand in a lot of projects. Not uh, not only leading projects, but according to this story here, and we're, uh, full disclosure, le- reading from a Eurogamer story, where I first saw the story uh, um, air, and he also had his hand in a lot of other EA games, like the Star Wars Battlefront games, uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which I think is the sequel, right? And uh, Matt's most recent Mass Effect Andromeda, and a bunch of other games. Uh, so he was clearly a strong force from 
EA and from uh, Bioware and other EA studios. So uh, it's a sad day for the game industry in general. Uh, so yeah, it's very sad. Absolutely, yeah. And our, our our thoughts go out to to Corey, to his family, and to the people at Bioware. And uh, on to the next story, uh, which is, it feels like we talk about this almost every year. We do have Thanksgiving every single year, of course, but Mm -hmm. it feels like there's a controversy about retail stores being open or being closed or having limited hours or or something Mm. every single year. And this time around, it's GameStop. GameStop, unlike previous years, will be open this year for Thanksgiving Day. And obviously that's uh, much to the ire of their employees because nobody wants to work on Thanksgiving. Um, you'd want to be at home with your family or your friends and eating turkey and drinking and taking a nap after you eat the turkey and mm-hmm. then hopefully not going into work the day after either. Speaking of which, Friday should be a holiday too. Well, the Friday I mean, after Thanksgiving, come on. Sure, but I, I think Black Friday, I think there's – the what was a great trade-off was that at least – uh, folks could go home on Thursday, enjoy the early dinner, uh, enjoy the early drinking and uh, the football and everything. And then they could uh, the next day or even early that morning, uh, like even as early as two or whatever they could, they had, if they had to go into work and work a long day, that's fine. You know, it's a little, um, it's a little silly and it's a little insane how we spend a whole day thanking, and people see jokes about this all the time, how we spend a whole day giving thanks for what we have and being thankful for the things we already have, like our family and the food on our table and all those things. It's a very great, secular, uh, very healthy uh, tradition. And then the very next day, we just fucking binge on buying shit and getting deals and running each other over in stores. So I find that a hilarious paradox, but... Uh, at least it existed. At least they were separate, even by one day. And now, on Thanksgiving, of course, there's this terrible tradition now. Uh, there's this trend where more and more, like you said, retailers are opening on Thanksgiving. And GameStop was one of the people who wasn't. They set a precedence, mm-hmm. what was it, two years ago or something like that? It was in 2014. Sure. So, yeah, three years ago, they sent out a statement saying that, oh, well, uh, I, I don't know what they said verbatim, but basically saying we value our uh, our employees and their time with their families, so we want to give them uh, their time off, so we won't be opening on Thanksgiving. They made a whole show of it. Uh, not a whole show, but they released a statement on it, and mm-hmm. now, of course, that seems like those feelings have changed up at uh, GameStop's uh, you know, their corporate headquarters, so uh, they're going to be open. And that's very disappointing, uh, as far as I'm concerned, at least. Yeah, I I agree, one hundred percent. And I just uh, it just bothers me because um, I don't know. There there are a lot of people out there who who don't realize that their shopping habits on Thanksgiving and Black Friday and during the rest of the year do actually affect the policies that various retail outlets set for, you know, when they're going to be open and when they're not going to be open and when they're observing holidays and when they're not. And it's just the same thing as the, the whole pre-order argument. You know, if you don't want, you know, games to come out with, uh, you know, a whole bunch of content missing that you have to pay for or in a, in an incomplete state or whatever, you, you go back to the whole argument of, well, then don't fucking pre-order. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's it's the same thing with this. You got to vote with your wallet. If you don't like something that a company is doing, no, just about no matter what it is, just don't give them money. Yeah. And then they will be forced to change if enough people do that same refusal to patronize, basically. And yeah, I don't so know. don't so go. I, the, the messages don't go to GameStop. Don't go anywhere to shop on Thanksgiving. Like if you don't like absolutely. this, I certainly don't like it. I'm not going to go anywhere on Thanksgiving. No, I, got, yeah. I got family to see. I'm not going to do anything right. like that. So yeah. the message here yeah. is stay the fuck home and don't patronize businesses that are open on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know like why uh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to go uh, into the whole rant again of like, you can't just wait a freaking day, you know, but uh, I, I, I wish we would just wait, you know, and it's even for things like, I guess, Amazon. Cause the reason why these retailers are opening is because they have to compete with other retailers that are getting a leg up on the game. Like Amazon, first of all, Black Friday now starts a week early, right? Like Black Friday, right? Week yeah. The, what is starts it? on Monday, Monday or whatever. Or whatever yeah. It yeah. It now starts on Monday, but I, so it's hard to just stop all of that. Ask retailers to stop the flow on a Thursday. Like all of a sudden, Amazon's gonna kill the sales on a Thursday because it's Thanksgiving. I that's not realistic, but and I don't know if that would even solve the problem. But the problem, one of the problems is Amazon and Best Buy Online and all these online retailers are uh, they're making these deals available early, like on Thursday, and so uh, store retailers have to compete with that, so they open on Thursday, but. I don't know. I think even shopping on Amazon on Thanksgiving, like it's not necessary. I know it's much easier and you don't have to take time away from your family technically, but you should understand that that has ramifications on the whole system uh, as, as an entirety, right? That other retailers are going to see that. So I think even I would say go as far as to not shop at all on Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. a little progressive, like liberal of me, but I, I can deal <laughs> Ooh, with that. So liberal and progressive. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know. On Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I would, uh, you know, this is my personal opinion would be, let's just forget about Black Friday as well, because I really feel like the it just makes sense, you know, with the way Thanksgiving is as a, as a holiday and as a tradition, you, you stay up late and you drink and you have a good time and you're out late and it's the, like going to work the day after is so stupid. But so many companies, even if they're not retail outlets, still want you to come back the day after. Mm. And that always, always annoyed the hell out of me whenever I had a job. I don't think I ever had an employer, retail or not, that closed uh, on the day of Thanksgiving and the day after. And it just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like, it's the same. It's kind of the same argument with Fourth of July. You, you know, you stay up late. You have a good time. You have a barbecue. You have a party. You've been drinking, and then. You know, if Fourth of July happens to fall sometime during the week, you know, like everyone who goes in on the Fifth of July is just going to be hungover and ragged and tired and shitty and angry, and like, what? Do you really get any productivity from that? Probably yeah. not. No. And so, it, there's also the, the let's let's not forget in the case of GameStop specifically. Uh, you know, with all that negativity that comes with associating that idea of going into having employers go in on Thanksgiving, you have GameStop, which right now does not have a great public outlook because of other stories that have come from uh, Kotaku, which this comes from Kotaku again, uh, J mm -hmm. Jason Schreier, uh, who has been reporting all year almost on GameStop employees, uh, specifically 
in regards to the story that GameStop had this whole Circle of Life program where yep. uh, employees were being um, essentially uh, they were being penalized for selling more real uh more new hardware and more new content than used content and so it was this horrible system that was uh uh employees were having to try and circumvent by lying to their customers and all sorts of terrible things and uh that story came out and did not i'm sure do any any good for gamestop so they kind of need some goodwill and this is not the way to get it so i think this was a very poor decision on their part well, and not only that, but they just need some sales too. I mean, they're, you know, all those controversies and, and, and PR problems aside, they're just not performing very well in the sales department because yeah. they're just not adapting to the, uh, basically all the digital marketplaces out there. That's true. Yeah. And I, like, you know, I, the more, yeah. the more Sorry. these programs, like, um, what was the, what was the, the Xbox program that was released like back in May? Where you have access to a bunch of games for what is it, fourteen days at a time or something? Oh, Xbox Game Pass. Out. That's the one. Yeah, I mean things like that. That you know that hurts their sales. All these little things on the digital marketplace, uh, just and just the convenience of being able to order on Amazon or just actually buy the game and then download it without ever even waiting for a copy to come to you from yep. Amazon or yep. someone else. I mean, all of these things are taking big chunks out of their business. Yep. So. So it might be, yeah, might be. Ne- I don't think it's necessary. Uh, they might, though. There's, I'm sure, a lot of smart people at GameStop, uh, and they must have figured out that this was the right way to go. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong in saying that this is a mistake. Maybe they end up seeing good sales and people uh, don't care that they're open on Thursday, except for their employees, and people still go. And I'm sure that people will go, uh, and that's the unfortunate truth. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, at some point, this is going to scream desperation in a way that just does not bode well. And they're going to bury themselves. Like the, the digital market will bury, uh, the, the, all of these companies eventually, I think. I truly believe that's going to happen. But I think yeah, they'll I think bury so. themselves before that happens if they carry on the way they are. Cause it's just, it's not working. It's not worth, you know, I don't know. It's not a good look, and it's not worth what you're going to gain for it. That's my opinion, but we'll see what happens come Black Black Friday week. You know. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, and I and I do agree with you that um, if it's not the digital marketplace, they may they may just uh, flush themselves down the drain. Hmm. But we'll we'll see. Um, but one or one or the other is going to do not. it. Unless they, I, I will, unless I will they, say, I'm very very. I'm sorry. I'm very. Uh, pessimistic on GameStop's uh, outlook this year. Um, it's hard to just bypass that and look over it, but I do hope that they stick around. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree with all of their uh, business strategies and business models, but uh, it's important to have uh, retailers and have competition. Uh, they're not a very strong force of competition, but it's important to have them no matter what. So I do hope GameStop and all of their employees and all of their um, heads uh, find a way to do well and to still coexist amongst digital retailers. So I'll just I'll say that much. Yeah, I would agree. Competition is good. So hopefully they do stick around and instead of going the way of Blockbuster. But at the right. moment, that's a that's an easy comparison to draw between sure. 
Blockbuster and, and GameStop. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. The next few years will be will be very telling indeed. We'll see. Yeah. So uh, the next news story of the day is about the ever popular, ever amazing players unknown. God, I can never say it. Player, Player unknown battlegrounds or PUBG, the PUBG. as uh, the cool Good kids are calling it. Yeah, now. there you go. Yeah. So uh, they just released a massive update. They they do quite a few. They've been, they've done a bunch of updates, and this is their their monthly update. It's now live. And it's 5.3 gigabytes hmm. of bug fixes and additional content. Um, and they've got new first-person servers. So, Joe, you uh, since I have been, well, basically without a computer for, what, uh, over a two, month now. Over a month. Oh, my God. Did not know it was maybe, that long. Maybe more. Um, you want to go ahead and, and tell me, you know, about some of this stuff? Because I have not been able to play this game I mean, I haven't had a computer for a month, but I bet you I haven't been able to play for a month and a half, two months. So, wow, yeah. Tell me about what this means and how this is going to affect play. And have you encountered any of these any of these bugs that they've patched? Well, bugs. You know, like all of these bugs are just um, they're ubiquitous in the game because it's a first, it's an early access game, and right. it is uh, it's almost like by I want to say by trait, but not true. But it just. Um, it is very much a rough around the edges game. But what's funny about the game is is I started playing the game PUBG and it was like this early access, very popular game. I was like, I got to get in this and see what people are uh, making all this hubbub about. And then I played it and I was like, Oh, this is like a broken game. This game is very (laughs) lazy. Like, look how crappy this looks and all the picking up and interacting with objects. is terrible. But as I kept playing, I'm like, oh, this concept's really cool. Okay, this is a lot of fun because it's permadeath. So immediately that novelty hits you, and it's awesome. And that, I think, is one of the main um, factors that has brought this game to uh, like the act- absolute pinnacle of online gaming that it's on right now. Like This is the most mm-hmm. played game on the PC market, at least as of right now and in it's the history huge, yeah. yeah it's a huge it is the mega hit it is the phenomenon of the year and it is big and it's a great game and it's a it offers a really compelling experience but as you can keep playing i realized how in-depth some of the mechanics and some of the uh like life uh sorry i'm tr- blanking on the term but there's a lot of quality of life features that's what it is and there's things like in the inventory system everything and this has probably been rolled out slowly but i was slowly realizing it also that like there's just little ways to interact with the game that are really really intuitive and also the physics of the game are incredible like there's bullet drop there's uh you know a bullet weight like there's all sorts of crazy things that you wouldn't think are in a game and they are there and so it's a very hardcore game as a result because you have to think uh consider all of these things mm-hmm. and uh now the game is just going to get more hardcore because the one thing that kept it casual was the third person pr- uh perspective that actually gives you so much um perspective actually on the areas around you like you know if someone was yeah it gives coming you a much bigger you, field of view yeah exactly like you could be hiding behind a wall but you could see around the corner and the players around that corner that were coming at you couldn't see you so you could cheat the game in numerous ways first yeah, person I totally mode. i totally did that a couple of times sure. when i was playing solo right and you and people do it all the time in 
regular third-person games, like any game that you've played that's in it from a third-person perspective. People do right. it all the time. You may not think about it, but you do it. So now I've played the first-person server, and it is fucking bonkers. It is, like, scary how different the game becomes when you're always locked in first person. Like even just getting a layout of the land, uh, driving around in a car is like nauseating. Like I, we had to get out every like so often because we just got nauseated from being in the first person view of the car. And we would get out, look around. Why, and like, why was, why was that nauseating? I mean, uh, oh, like, isn't that the same as a normal, I well, mean, no, a normal because driving game? No, in a normal driving, well, in third person view in, in PUBG, like the, the camera is locked to the car, but it's not locked to the angle that the car is on. Like if your car flips, you're just watching the car flip. If you're first person in the car and it flips, you're flipping in that car. And if and normally it's the bumps, like the bumps and the going up and down, all of that's locked in first person. So oh, you're well, watching see, all of that played, go. I always play driving games like that anyway because I preferred it. Well, you're but. a crazy person who likes being <laughs> sick all the time, and <laughs> it I never a, it never nauseated me for uh, some reason. I've been doing that since I was a kid. I have no idea why. It just well, like, what like, about like and, Grand Theft Auto? Like, you've played or a racing game. You've played those games, and they didn't always have first person. Like GTA has first right. person now, those, but uh, those ones I I had to play third person, and it's actually always bothered me. Like when a game has vehicles in it and they don't give you the option of doing a, a sort of a first person vehicle view as if you're actually seated behind the steering wheel. Uh, it, it, it bothers me because yeah, I you was are, so you used are to that a masochistic psycho. Like there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I no, I, I actually like it. Um, the first person view. Um, it's very, it's a lot of fun and it's way more compelling and way more hardcore. Uh, I actually also like the first person view of the car. It's a lot more intense and, being with my friend and like looking over and seeing his avatar is super weird and off-putting and like he's talking and this this stoic like uh mannequin of a person is next to me in a car and it's totally weird but it's fun uh so the game i would imagine the most frightening part would be would be clearing a house well yeah every second you're in a house it's uh terrifying because just you have to open a door and check your exactly, corners. Exactly. Yeah, check the corners and, and yeah, yeah, all that other shit. Yeah, I just I can imagine that being a hell of a lot more nerve-wracking than it was before. It is uh it's still the same game, but it feels totally different now and that's part of the reason like every house feels way more tactile and feels way more like object permanent i guess i don't know it feels like you you see you you get the layout of the house and you're way more present and aware of which room you're in like i had gotten to a point where i was you know a lot of the houses are the same they're like the same Mm -hmm. 12 houses 12 models that you're finding and i had gotten to a point where i was just autopiloting through these houses finding all the loot and that's a problem because you have to be on your guard all the time so i would just run into a room and get shot because i'm a chump and (laughs) I was on autopilot looting stuff. Now I'm in first person and you're just, you're locked in so far. I like it a lot. It, that server is definitely very buggy though. That's a test server right now. It's not out on the official PUBG, but anyone who purchases PUBG, um, via steam, obviously, and, uh, the early access version, they get access to the test server as well. So anyone on steam can play it right now. Um, I strongly suggest it. It's a little buggy as of right now. I've crashed out multiple times, but another great feature is, uh, you can reconnect. So if you get locked out of a game and if you crash and you boot out, you can reboot your game and then 
it'll sense that you left a game or you got booted and it'll bring you back in. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that is neat. Yeah. So it's very cool. First person I've been very excited for, for PUBG, and it's very cool so far. Uh, I'll probably, as long as they start keep fixing it and it gets better, I'll probably be spending most of my time in first person. And provided yeah, I Yeah, absolutely. Sick. That's what I want to do now. Damn, dude, that... Uh, I mean, it was compelling and engaging and and nerve-wracking before, but first person changes everything so much. I mean, your field of really view does. goes from... I don't know. What do you think when you're in third person? Not not quite 180 degrees, but somewhere just shy of 180 degrees, yeah. probably. And now when you're in first person, I don't know what first person view would be, but 80 degrees, maybe something like that, maybe a little less. So it's that's, uh, it's probably a good 90 or so. You think 90? Know. I'm looking. I'm putting my. Well, it depends on how old you are, Mike, because the peripheral vision it starts to go, as you know. So. Right, right, but now. I'm talking about in game. I'm not talking about in like game, actual human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm thinking about. I'm. Um, that's a bad joke, but like, I, I think, yeah, maybe 90 degrees. I would say. Who knows? Whatever. It's a freaking screen game. Yeah. Either way, it's a massive decrease. <laughs> everyone, in, everyone in knows. Field of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, the shit really quick, just the alt look. You know, like you hold alt and you can look around without changing the direction of your character. Mm-hmm. So that now you can't alt look behind you. Like you would be able to alt look wherever you want while you were running or while you were driving. Right. And now alt look is restricted to 180 degrees in front of you. So you can look, you can be running and look to your left, running and look to your right. You can't look behind you. I'm so, curious. Does he swing his rifle when uh, when you do that? No, no. There, like I said, a lot of quality of life, very minute details go into this game, and you while you do that. You the rifle stays forward, uh. So I mean that ten out of ten game because the rifle stays forward. You know what I mean, Mike. But, um, yeah, no, it's all those types of details that you wonder. Like I wonder if this is in the game, and sure enough, it's in the game. That's one of the great things about it. This game hmm. is definitely a game of the year contender for me. It is a fantastic game. It really is. Yeah, it's it's a great game. That's awesome. I damn dude that I, I may have to I may Get have to accelerate PC. my yeah, PC. My, <laughs> my PC building plans a little bit. Let's Shit. Meanwhile, when trouble strikes, Lab City new heroes gather. Commander Canada and Maple Leaf. They don't take crime politely. Clover Kid, he punches stuff. Major Victory, he always leads the way. And Greaser, he's not afraid to get dirty to get the job done. These heroes come together to fight the villains of the day. The Daimyo, he will enslave you with spirit. Obsidian Jaguar, he'll do anything to become a god. Division, he splits all the profits. And Hourglass, he always has time for crime. These forces will do battle against each other in Battle for the Universe. Bioware Montreal, if you don't know, they were the ones who created the latest Mass Effect, Mass Effect Andromeda, which, as we should all know by now, was uh, controversial to say the least. So, anyway, uh, there had been sort of rumors and scuttlebutt suggesting that Bioware Montreal may be absorbed or uh, downsized or whatever, and basically now... That has been confirmed for the most part. So Bioware Montreal will be absorbed by EA Motive. And you got to remember Bioware is part of, of EA. So this isn't like a, 
It's not like a company's being bought out or anything, but basically it has directly to do with the result of Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, Certainly, yeah. And uh, apparently a lot of the people in Montreal have already moved over to EA Motive. So this has probably been going on for a little bit. Um, it obviously also means that the uh, sequel to Mass Effect Andromeda is even more on ice than it was before. So who knows what the hell is going to happen there. But um seems like every single bit of news we hear about EA Montreal, or um, excuse me, Bioware Montreal, it, it looks worse and worse for Mass Effect Andromeda at the moment. So... I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what's your take on this, Joe? What do well, you think? Well, you know, it's like you said, we heard about this uh, through reports, um, and it was looked pretty certain. Uh, those reporting on it were uh, pretty uh, consistent reporters, so uh, it was you could be almost certain that this was uh, what was happening. We had heard that Montreal had been turned into a support studio, mm-hmm. and that a lot of those on the studio itself actually had been moved over to other bioware studios or yay studios uh my assumption was they all went to um edmonton which was the team working on um anthem and and the team that had originally done the mass effect trilogy that's too. right yeah so i i assume that definitely happened uh who knows anyway but the those who remained at montreal it looks like yeah they are just totally being absorbed into a a different uh, studio, which I think EA Motive is, are the ones responsible for uh, some of Battlefront or something. I'm not sure, like yeah, the old Battlefronts. I don't know. They're doing. They're currently working on the single player for uh, Battlefront Two. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. So we we got some more support for that, as I assume. So yeah, we can definitely expect the Battlefront uh, Two campaign to be ready for launch because. Uh, they'll have more hands on deck, so that's nice, I guess. But I mean, yeah, this was something uh, most of us saw pretty much on the horizon since the backlash of Andromeda commenced. Um, once a game's not doing well, and once a game has been memefied as much as Andromeda has, unfortunately, uh, that's pretty much it. That's that team is normally toast if that's their first try. Uh, that's the unfortunate truth of it. It's sad that, like, you know, this is just as much a result of the game's uh, ill performance as much as it is the huge backlash that may or may not have been deserved, right? Like, this game got memefied and uh, gift endlessly, and that destroyed the game's uh, potential to sell. And I wonder if a game can get killed like that without actually deserving it like mass effect andromeda there are some people on staff that like uh andromeda a lot i remember that but uh most people seem to be uh we all seem to be in agreement everyone seems to be in agreement of uh its quality was severely lacking in the beginning but i wonder if a game can actually get by with having good like it being a quality game, but because of a couple of shortcomings, it gets destroyed by the internet, you know? And that concerns me, something, a, a story like this. So that's my only concern right now. But uh, as far as this story itself, something I saw coming, yeah. So you're, so, okay, so walk me through that again. You're concerned basically about the influence of of popular opinion? Sure. Well, popular opinion 
is a funny thing. Popular opinion can be kind of controlled and managed, can it? Because of the internet, the way it works. Like, uh, a few gifs come out of, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, like the, uh, spongy legs, right? Like the springy legs. Yeah, gif. yeah, that was like, a pretty famous one. Right. And that, uh, that, went through the entirety of reddit and then everyone was like this game sucks montreal bioware is terrible what the fuck did they do this for and also a lot of people don't didn't understand the beginning that bioware montreal was separate from the team that had made uh the original mass effect game so they're like why the fuck can't they get this game done why did this come out shitty so that you know that animostic like reaction that the internet has to a couple of gifs of you know shoddy uh animations or what have you i wonder if that is something that can eventually kill a game like there was uh as an assassin's creed game assassin's creed unity which had a couple of reported problems and that was in a year that a lot of games were coming out unfinished and it was somewhat new to this generation of games Right. That's this was when the problems of like games coming out unfinished really started picking up. But Assassin's Creed, I remember, had that one picture of like someone without a mask, without a face, and it was just like disturbing. And it went through the internet. It and everyone thought, oh, Assassin's Creed's broken. But from what I can recall, it wasn't totally broken. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's going to be a problem where we, uh, you know are quick to judge a game based on one or two problems and then it'll destroy some people's careers. I don't think that's what happened here, but it makes me think about that. That's what I think about on my weekends off. Mike is what I'm telling you. <laughs> Do you think that's it's possible a- though, that a game like that's good quality, but has a couple problems could be destroyed by Reddit. Uh, well, I mean not Reddit specifically, but I, I see what you mean. Um, yeah. Or what you meme in this case, oh, oh man, Hunter whoa, would be happy about that. Oof. Um, yeah, I think I think it is possible, but it, I don't know. I guess I feel like at the same time, um, if you make a, a bad game or a mediocre game, you've got to be expecting at least some level of that because there's a lot of childish, immature morons on the internet, and and there are just a lot of teenagers that are immature because they're teenagers on the internet as well and kids that also have access to the internet. So you got a wide range of people that, that all basically have the same level of influence depending on what sort of meme or joke or comment that they put out. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is if, if you make any kind of a product, you have to expect some level of that and you have to expect that at least some of it will be expecting it and stupid and, you know, potentially damaging. And I think you just got to be, you've got to do your best to mitigate that, you know, by getting rid of problems before you release the damn thing. Well, it's funny you mentioned mitigation, like expecting it is fine, but like, isn't the impetus somewhat on us to like mitigate our own expectations of a game in spite of a couple of gifts that come out on the internet. And I mean, I asked that facetiously, of course it is on us, but I wonder if, that's not valued right now in the online gaming community right now. And that there's one day going to be a game where it just gets rolled over by that pre-release uh, backlash. Yeah, I suppose that is very possible. I, I really, yeah, it probably is. I mean, 
you make a laughing stock out of a game like people did out of Andromeda, yeah, and and absolutely. I mean, I haven't touched Andromeda. And yeah. I, and I don't and I don't want to because I just heard too much bad shit about it. Right, me neither. And I uh I wasn't ready to play a Mass Effect Andromeda anyway, but I had heard enough things about the game itself and its structure that I decided okay, this game's probably not for me. It's open world structure and enough other things that right. make me think okay, Mass Effect Andromeda probably not a great game, not for me. But uh, you know, maybe a huge Mass Effect fan like yourself, you're huge on Mass Effect and you played the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I well, it's it. a bunch of its DLC, I assume. So yep. that uh, this game was almost a surefire thing for you. And now after hearing enough, you avoided it. I, you know, so I think Mass Effect Andromeda, I'm now creating a game scenario where a game that isn't Mass Effect Andromeda gets rolled over. I understand that because Mass Effect Andromeda clearly had problems. And I don't know if it was deserving, though, that Montreal doesn't get a second shot at it. Uh, there were. I'm just recognizing that there were a lot of people that liked the game and wanted to see its uh, story fulfilled because there were some things left, uh, I guess, uh, unresolved. And uh, I happen to know. I remember our uh, ex-co-host uh, Kenneth Shepard was a big fan of the game. Actually, like he just mm-hmm. he he liked some things, didn't like some other things, but he definitely uh, seemed to believe that this. Uh, the backlash was not totally deserving. And uh, I feel for Montreal for that, and that they are now getting uh, shunted, these folks, to different studios, and they're not maybe going to be in as creative positions. They're going to be support staff or something. Maybe not true, but, uh, you know, that's always sad to hear that, like, their, their baby, their thing that they worked on and tried to make something great didn't work out, and people, those who did like it won't get more of it. To me, the real sadness is just that they were, you know, they were kind of screwed from the start. I mean, maybe not from the very start, but they weren't, um, oh, what's the, you know, after reading that, I was, I think it was Jason Schreier again, that big, big article that he did where he interviewed a bunch of Bioware people, um, about Mass Effect Andromeda. And I mean, it just sounds like they were, the whole thing was kind of set up for failure from pretty early on in the development process. And I I feel I feel for the the developers of Bioware Montreal not necessarily because of being memefied and all this other stuff, but more than anything because they probably could have made a really good game. It just they were not given the proper tools with which to do it and the proper support and the timeline and you know they had all these turnovers and then sort of staff going back and forth between different offices and probably tons and tons of pressure from the higher ups. I mean, just, it was kind of like a perfect storm of disorganization and bad decision-making. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and, and I feel like just the, you know, the, the, the designers, the devs, the creative people there all got the short end of the stick, even though really none of it was directly their fault. They, I'm sure they all did their absolute best, but their best wasn't good enough because they weren't given, you know, the proper tools to, to do it properly. And uh, so then it got it got memefied and destroyed. And now, you know, this is being absorbed by EA Motive. And yeah. um, so that's why I feel bad for those people. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and I, on, on the same, I guess on the same, uh, I don't know, I, I feel bad for the people that are Andromeda fans as well because yep. they may never see one. They, they may still in a few years, but 
it's looking pretty unlikely right now. It's this. It could just be gone. They may just never touch that again. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, even Mass Effect. I think Mass Effect is now. Yeah. It's gonna go cold for a long time. I think what we'll see is like maybe an E3 or some form of convention, an EA convention, right? Because they do their own thing. Maybe like uh five four years from now five years from now like they do this really slow teaser that shows mass effect and people go crazy and then mass effect goes on this like rebooting series or something like that yeah that's kind of what i was thinking i mean it'll you know it'll be if you remember the very first trailer for mass effect and draw onto the one where they sort of showed uh they had interspersed footage from the apollo program and they had this really cool narration about humans getting to the stars and all this other stuff and that was a really really cool teaser trailer for the upcoming uh new mass effect game which at the time you know was still three years away or something like that yep um, but I, I, that's exactly what I picture three, four, five years from now. You're right. There'll be a press conference somewhere where they drop some little 30 second teaser exactly like that. Yep. And, uh, and then, you know, four years from then <laughs> or something like that, we'll see, we'll see the next mass effect. We shall so, see. We shall yeah. see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, oh, well, I, I missed, I, I missed that game. I, I miss that Aww. trilogy, and you I really wish. You should try Mass Effect Andromeda then. Maybe when nah. it goes like on sale significantly. Yeah, it would. You're right. It would have to be. I don't know. It'd have to be. I think it'd have to be less than twenty. Oh man, how much does bucks. Mike value Mass Effect Andromeda? <laughs> here we go. Yep. Here it is. Yep. There's one other thing that you wanted to talk about today, because Hearthstone is so near and dear to your to your. Wait, you're in Brooklyn or Queens? The, the nearest Queens. Queens to your yes. to your Queens heart. Yes, my Queens heart. The nearest and dearest, Mike. Why don't you just explain this one to me? Well, we you're, got you're the Hearthstone expert here. I know there's this new card that's very. Well, there's several new cards. So Hearthstone, yeah. So Blizzard has been rolling out uh, the next 100, 130 cards, however many cards they're going to release in their next expansion, uh, Knights of the Frozen Throne. And uh, it's a very exciting expansion, uh, especially for World of Warcraft fans, which I believe you are one of those. And Mm -hmm. uh, because it brings it back to uh, the Lich King narrative. Uh, although I think the Lich King is now a different Lich King. I don't actually know. I am very, uh, very knowledgeable about the Hearthstone universe, except for, well, I'm about the Hearthstone scene, except for the universe itself, because it's World of Warcraft based. And I don't know anything about, but the Lich King is back. And in this version of it, he kills everyone. And all the class characters, uh, come back as like zombie versions of themselves. So we're going to get really cool cards, uh, called class cards where they change your hero and they change it to a different version of your hero. And he has a different hero power. It's very, very exciting. Uh, but (laughs) a bunch of the cards are also being released, obviously. They're not out yet, but they're being revealed. And IGN had its own little exclusive card, and it was a wild-looking card, although it's actually, in my opinion, and in, I th- 
I'm sure many pros opinions not as game changing as it would appear. But uh, the card itself, and now we're getting into really uh, inside baseball Hearthstone here, is a seven mana minion with four attack and six health and the battle cry. So when you summon this minion, the ability it uh, activates is shuffle a copy of your opponent's deck into your deck. So for anyone who's listening and isn't into Hearthstone or has no interest in Hearthstone right now, you could skip for the next like five minutes or so because this uh, is like with inside Joe, stuff. I would recommend more like fifteen. No, okay. no, we won't yeah. go too long. Well, I want it in <laughs> in five minutes. I want to hear your opinion of Hearthstone in general, being a newcomer. But this card sounds insane, right? Because you have thirty cards each, and thirty of once you've run out of cards. I don't know if you've ever run out of cards in a game of Hearthstone, mm-hmm. Mike. I have. Yeah, you start getting hit with fatigue, which starts depleting each player's health until someone dies. So mm-hmm. trying to keep the game from running inevitably. So, uh, this can add much longer length to your game before you hit fatigue. Uh, but I don't know if that's what they're going for. I think they're going for just an insane pow factor of shuffle your entire deck into someone else's deck. So, first, I want to hear, Mike, what you think of this card here, having played some of Hearthstone. Well, it sounds to me like it would potentially be pretty powerful. Um, I think it... You know, it's completely random, hence the term shuffle. So you don't know which cards you're going to be drawing from your opponent's deck and in which order, you know, Mm -hmm. how how exactly they're going to appear in your own. Or even if, you know, they've got anything good left in their deck. Because I'm assuming when you play this, you're only getting a copy of what's immediately left in their deck at that time, not a copy of the deck as it was like at the very beginning of the game. That is, that is an important question. I think for reading this, and I'm sure we could have done some Reddit research and Ben Brode, the leader, uh, the design lead of Hearthstone, uh, has already answered this question, but I think this means that you're actually shuffling the entire deck. Your opponent's really? deck is a 30-card entity. So, yeah, I think that is, like, your enti- the entire deck. Mm. Um, either well, way, That definitely though, makes yeah. this more powerful. Sure. That would make it more powerful. However, it might not, because here's what happens. It is a wild card. It does something crazy. But it also, in a way, dilutes your deck, because you may be designing your deck, and you should be, your deck in a way that... Uh, is intuitive to winning Hearthstone, right? You're tr- you're trying to build your deck around a certain uh, a certain strategy or a certain theme. And yeah, yeah, I know, I know where you're going. With right. This, so this deck dilutes that. You all of a sudden have some other cards mixed in that are geared towards some other goal, and uh, they're all mixed in with another set of cards. And well, also, and when not you only p- that, but you've doubled the size of your deck effectively. Yeah. That's true, but also you have to draw all those cards in order for it to have some kind of effect. And you might, let's say there's you're a priest and you you have a lot of things like this and thought steal and other cards that steal your opponent's cards. That's a very uh, popular thing in priest. So that's why you see this in the priest deck. But also, let's say it's a very heal-heavy deck. Like it's based on healing your cards and getting more heals and uh, you have this deck built for you, and then you throw this card out, and then you accrue a bu- uh, a bunch of aggro decks cards, like a lot of aggro minions, which means a lot of aggressive flood the board with small minions, like two drops right. and one drops. Then you have a lot of really small minions, and it's already turned seven, you assume. So 
then you have all these other minions that are very weak that you're drawing one at a time and it's already late in the game so that kind of just ruins your flow or you have just a random deck that's built towards some other goal like i said before and so you're just kind of drawing one at a time uh these random cards that you don't know what you're going to see or you do but you don't know how you're going to make it work with your deck and then it's also turn seven and you're dropping a four six which is very weak for a turn seven so it doesn't do anything immediately to the board that's a very important factor and then afterwards after you have dealt with turn seven you're just drawing one card at a time and they're random other cards so it's a crazy looking card but it actually doesn't change the game so i saw a lot of people freaking out on the internet and i'm sure people have already uh let their concerns go by the wayside because i'm sure you know a lot of the pros have explained but this is not as big a deal as some of the other cards that they've explained mm -hmm. so i don't want you jump in the ship yet and go in full priest on us right away mike that's all i wanted to make sure of i, I don't to... think i've played the priest a whole lot yet i haven't played a lot of priest myself so i i feel you and i won't be playing still... more priests based on this I'm still sticking with old Jaina Proudmore. I like her. Okay, so you're you're sticking with the mage. That's the first class that they give you, right? It is. Yeah, it's the starting one. And I've played some of the others, and eh, it's kind of neither here nor there for me. And I just have more cards for Jaina at this point, too. So, What have you been spending your time playing the most in Hearthstone? You mean like which class or which mode? Like like there's you can play online, but you can also play like by yourself against the bots. And I oh, remember well, spending I, a lot of time doing that when I first started. I did a lot of bots at the beginning, but I've actually started playing against other people just recently. Sure. And the first few times were kind of brutal. I got my yeah. ass handed to me. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely one of the games where you kind of have to have the cards to yeah. to play it and that's a there really were, unfortunate truth there, there were definitely a few times when i just felt totally outclassed like it didn't didn't really matter what i did or how many creatures i destroyed or how many you know fireballs i had or um like arcane missiles or anything it just like i just could not keep up mm. with with the damage that was being dealt to me and with the amount of cards that were being put down that I needed to get rid of to be able to prevent that damage. And mm, so it was, just, right. it was just like, you know, it was the never-ending tide and I couldn't keep up with it. So, But I did, I think, uh, I start. I think I've, I've improved my win ratio quite a bit. So, Okay. So what, uh, let's see. I, I want to know, well, we'll have a little mana drop uh, a special and we'll record some more <laughs> footage of you playing some hearthstone but uh, oh, have boy. you played have you considered playing any arena i think we did place we did a little arena run or at least just one game did of we? arena together i think we recorded an episode where we did like just you we drafted some arena cards but have you played any arena since you started I have not, no and i don't i honestly don't remember doing that with you but, um <laughs> Maybe I did. I don't know. I'm not calling you a liar. I just don't remember sure. that. Sure, um, sure. I strongly, I'm having trouble remembering too. I strongly suggest <laughs> Arena because that's like drafting. Like if you ever played Magic the Gathering, I'm sure you've done, uh, what was it? Um, cube uh, tournaments where like you, everyone breaks open booster packs and you kind of pass the p cards on to each other. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I never did build... one of those, but I know of them. Okay, so yeah, there's like drafting and all sorts of card battling games, and uh, and this is arena is the drafting. So you get three random cards, and you have to pick which one you want out of the three, and you build a whole deck, and you go against other people who did the same, and so you have the entire standard hearthstone library open to you then so you can really get your chops going by doing that and then if you win and you do well uh and you do better by learning all the cards and you do that by playing more if you win you get more rewards and then you can buy more card packs uh i'm assuming you don't want to spend money which you actually can do in hearthstone uh it's tough but it's definitely possible yeah, so, I'm, there's. I'm not going to be spending money on Hearthstone. It's just not. I'm. I'm not invested enough in it that sure. that I would spend money on it. That's fine. Yeah. So I strongly suggest that you check out some Arena. You'll you'll enjoy that thoroughly if you're. Yeah, I will. Stuff. That actually sounds really interesting. I yeah. I may check that out tonight. Yeah, it'll be brutal the first couple of times, but you'll you'll get through it. <laughs> I'm sure it will. That seems to be the going thing with Hearthstone. That is, that is brutal the first the few times, and then it gets better. Oh yeah, the first several times for sure. Yeah, there's definitely a steep learning curve. Definitely, you'll you'll get it though. So that's my my pitch for Hearthstone. I definitely want to see you on the Hearthstone podcast though. Where we're get we had a slow patch for Mana Drop because I lost a couple of uh, a couple of guests that were going to come on, but uh, mm-hmm. I have a schedule going again, and we're going to get back on next week. So I expect to have you on next time, uh, ready okay. to talk some strategy. There's, I'm I'm down. It just depends on you know when what your schedule is exactly. So we'll oh, have well, to we'll, talk about that we'll, after we'll the podcast. That'll be fine. We'll do it. Okay, sounds good, man. All right. So I think we're going to go ahead and close it out for the day. We're going to end it there, um, unless you have anything else pressing to talk about or any announcements to make, Joe. No, uh, I do want to say I think we'll be talking about Pyre on this episode also, but we're going to magic our way across to uh, another editor, obviously, uh, who uh, has played. Uh, I forget who did the review here, but we'll we'll try and get it on. But uh, I'm also doing a review for Overcooked for the Switch version. That should be up by the time this podcast airs. Uh, and it is uh, very cool for Switch, very fun. Uh, but it's also kind of broken. I hear there's a patch on the way, but as of the time the review goes up, I haven't seen anything. So uh, it's a little disappointing, but the game is still a lot of fun, and it's great for tabletop. So everyone should check out uh, Overcooked on Switch if they haven't tried the game in general. Uh, and I hear the patch is coming out, so I will get back to everyone on that, of course. Excellent. Uh, and yeah. you know, if you listen, that as far as my opinion goes, just don't buy a Switch because it's a Nintendo product. Switch is so great. Just Definitely forget buy about Switch. what. Uh, just forget about what Joe said in the console <laughs> altogether. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. So anyway, we will see everyone next week. Uh, as always, you can follow myself on Twitter. Uh, my name is at Grumpy Gamer. That's Grumpy with two R's. And you can follow. The well, what was I was I had a term for you a minute ago, something to do with Queens or Brooklyn, but I forgot it, which sucks. <laughs> but anyway, he's the the man with the bag of donuts, also known as Joey Dagabonuts. Nailed it. So that's yep at Joey Dagabonuts. That's bag of donuts with the D and the B switch. If you haven't heard it before. And uh, for everything else, video game related news, reviews, anything else random ramblings the occasional twitch stream some let's plays 
Uh, we've got a new podcast coming up from Mr. Mr. Joe DeClara here, the Hearthstone podcast. It's called The Mana um, Drop. The Mana Drop. I like that name, actually, by the way. That's pretty catchy. I'm glad, because I didn't like it after one week of having it, so I'm glad <laughs> someone else likes it. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that doesn't bode well for the future of the podcast. No, well, but, it's uh, set in stone, The Mana Drop on Gaming Trend. It's on our podcast feed, so just subscribe to the podcast and you'll get your Mana Drop episodes. Hopefully weekly. We're, we're going to see how it works. we got to get more guests on, but we'll get it going. Perfect. Subscribe to get your mana drop. All right. So get on GamingTrend.com. Go play some games and have a good evening. Thanks, All Joe. Right. Thank you, Mike. <laughs>